Fantastic. Thank you all for. Mike will help. Brad's a little quieter, and so Wednesday night when he's using this mic, he has to crank it up. <clears throat> so thank you all for being here. Appreciate it. And um, last week we talked about the, the death of Christ. Uh, this week we're going to talk about the burial of Christ. And then you all know what happens next week, right? We have celebration because there's resurrection. And so I don't want you to get discouraged because last week we talked about death and this week we're talking about burial. I don't want you to get discouraged and get depressed even though the preacher wore all gray and black like he's going to a burial. Don't get depressed because next week is coming. All right? God wins. A crushing blow to Satan's head is what Christ did on the third day when he arose from the grave. It was a strike to the heel when Satan was able to put him to death and put him in the grave. The burial is closure. It becomes closure for us. As humans, when someone dies, they, they become numbered with another. They no longer are seen amongst us. And they go somewhere else. And when we put them in the ground, we gain closure. That's burial. We'll talk more about what burial is this morning. Like the middle child, we don't talk too much about the burial of Jesus Christ. We talk a lot about His death. We talk a lot about His resurrection. But we don't talk a lot about His burial. Both denominationalism and and more recent, uh, this, this teaching of asking Jesus into your heart has minimalized the facts of Jesus' burial. There's not a lot out there. Not a lot of information. God's Word is plain and it's clear. And I'm going to try to share that with us this morning so that we can gain that understanding of what His burial means to us. The Easter story is being told all over the world this time of year. But once again, hearing about the importance of the burial is not very popular. Satan has clouded the need for this part of the gospel. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at a couple passages of scriptures before we go to the actual story of the burial of Jesus Christ. Before we do that, let's look to God and work prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for being our God and for having this plan to, to reconcile us with you. And we thank you for the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of your son uh, that brings us hope of eternal salvation, a hope of eternal life someday with you. God, we thank you for this life and what we can learn here and what we can gain here. God, I pray that as each and every one of us look at the passages of Scripture that talk about your burial, that we will be able to understand them more and be able to apply them to our lives so that we can gain that understanding of what it actually means and what the gospel is actually trying to say. God, thank you for this time, and I thank you for all those that made an effort to be here this morning. Please bless our time. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 6. Look at it with me. Uh, Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3. It says, "Or, Or don't you know that all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. For if we have been united with him in death like, like his, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like his. We go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 2. And it says, by this gospel you are saved. Paul's talking to the church in Corinth. He says, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Verse 3, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, then he was buried And then he was raised on the third day according to scripture. The gospel includes three parts. Death, burial, and resurrection. One important often forgotten aspect of the Easter story is when Christ's body was laid in the tomb. The burial of Christ paints a clear picture of the burial of the believer's old life. The burial is part of our union with Christ. His, he died and, and was buried for us on our behalf. And we are buried with him. Be buried in, in Christ or be buried with Christ. What, what for? So that we can just be dead forever? No. But following along with Christ, we may go where Christ goes. We went first into the tomb and then he came out of the tomb. He did. He went in first and then he came out. And on the third morning, he came out of the tomb. He arose. If we are one with Christ at all, we should be with him through it all. We are with him in his death. We are one with him in his burial. Then we will also be able to be one with him in his resurrection. So let's look at the scripture that talks directly about the burial. Let's go to the story. We first find the story clear back in Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 9. He says, it says, He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor with any deceit in his mouth. Assigned a grave with the wicked. What is he talking about? Well, he was, he was killed with thieves on the cross, right? And, and what does it mean well, with, with, with the rich in his death? Well, he was buried in the tomb of a very rich man. Matthew chapter 27, we hear the story. I'm going to read you all, all four accounts um, because I think it's important to gain perspective from all four of the writers and all four of the, the accounts we find in the Gospels. Let's look at Matthew 27, verse 57 through 60. The references are on the screen. If you want to chase along with me, you can. Uh, just listen to these stories or listen to the accounts from each of these uh, individuals. It says in uh, verse 57, As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of, of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Matthew gives us a pretty plain and clear and simple, concise Story in the book of Mark, chapter 15, starting in verse 42. It says this all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. As evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the high council, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. 
The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead. So Pilate told Joseph that he could have the body. Well, why did Pilate was all concerned about that? Why was he all upset about Why was he? Well, because there had been talk of the leading priests saying that, that Jesus' disciples were going to go steal his body while still on the cross, resuscitate him, bring him back to life so that Jesus' prophecy would be fulfilled, that he was going to come back from the dead. So Pilate wanted to make sure that he was dead. Verse 45, the officer confirmed that Jesus was dead. Could have been that centurion that we talked about yesterday that thrust the spear up into Jesus' side to make sure that he was dead. So Pilate took Joseph, or told Joseph that he could have the body. Verse 46, Joseph brought a long sheet of linen cloth. Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in the tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Luke's account in chapter 23, starting in verse 50, says, Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed, or, but he had not agreed with the decision and the action of the other religious leaders. He was from a town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting, the kingdom of, waiting, or waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of the rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as the Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was taken away, the women of Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb where his body was placed. Once again, Dr. Luke, pretty concise, pretty straightforward, gives us the idea what took place. In the book of John, chapter 19, it's the last one we're going to read. Um, this morning, uh, starting in verse 38. It says, Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made with myrrh and aloes, aloes, Following Jewish burial customs, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation, the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Jesus was buried in a tomb. And he was buried there by Joseph of Arimathea. And, and John's account gives us an idea that, that maybe Nicodemus had a part in it. He played a part in it. And, and maybe it was the financial aspect of it. Or, or maybe he just helped uh, with, with what Joseph was doing. So let's talk about what this burial means. What it is and, and how, it, how it works. And, and what, what it looks like for, for all of us. And not just for us. But what happened uh, when Jesus was laid in the tomb. What is burial? I believe burial is the seal of death. When Jesus died on the cross, there needed to be a definite seal. There needed to be, it needed to be done and complete, never to be doubted. He was dead. Satan had given him a blow to his heel, like I mentioned earlier. Back in the very beginning of the Bible, a promise of, and prophecy is made in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Are you familiar with this passage? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. Who's speaking here? God's speaking. And who's he talking to? 
he's talking to Satan in the form of a serpent. He's talking to Satan in the form of a serpent who had just, who had just tempted Adam and Eve. God came up with a plan and he put this plan together and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. What woman? Not talking about Eve. He's talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. It says, and between your offspring and hers. Who, who was Jesus' mother's offspring? Well, it was Jesus, right? Put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. I always ask the question, if I had a hammer in my hand and I was going to hit you one or two places, where would you like me to hit you? The back of the head or the heel of your foot? You choose. Well, I, I'd really get hit in the heel if it was me. I'm pretty good with a hammer. I don't know if I could sink a, a 16 penny into two by four with one blow anymore, but I used to be able to. I wouldn't want to get hit in the back of the head or in the head at all because it would be a fatal blow. Satan struck Jesus on his heel by putting him in the tomb. When Joseph and Nicodemus laid Jesus in the tomb, when the stone was rolled in front of the opening of the rock, it was a seal of his death. Everyone knew he was dead. The disciples didn't steal him off the cross and resuscitate him to health and claim he had risen. Burial, in one sense, is a certificate of the deceased. When I was buried with Christ almost 30 years ago, I must be certainly dead, right? Dead 30 years. There has to be in us death to the world. There also must be in us continued efforts of death. Anytime we find sin in our lives, we put it to death. We lay it aside. As burial was the seal and certificate of the death of Christ, so our burial with Christ is the seal of our mortification to this world. I like that word, mortification. When a person says they're mortified, what does that mean? They're sick to death. Like that's, that's, we're just mortified. And that's the way we need to be when it comes to the desires of this world. We are mortified by the ways of the world, by Satan's ways, really by our own worldly desires. We need to bury those ways, put those ways behind us. Burial is a very important part of this seal of death. We have died to the desires of the world. We no longer want what it has to offer. We bury it. Burial is a seal of death. Next, burial is a displayer of death. To all those alive at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, it was very evident that he had in fact died. His body was taken down off the cross and it was delivered to the tomb. Prominent men took on this responsibility and did this job personally. It's important that these prominent men ask Pilate for permission because Pilate was the, uh, was the one in charge and he was asked for Jesus' body and it was given to these. Then the leading priest came and asked for guards. Matthew chapter 27 verse 62 says, The next day, the, the day after preparation, the, the chief priests and Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, the deceiver said, After three days I will rise again. 
So give us the, give us the order for the tomb, or give us. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal his body and tell the people that he had been raised from the dead. This last deception will be first than the worst, or worse than the first, rather. In verse 65, he says, take a guard. Pilate answered, go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. This burial was well documented. There were guards to be sure that he was dead and he was in the tomb. This burial was complete. It was a displayer of his death. It displayed that Christ had in fact died. When a person dies, a hospital or wherever they are, they're covered. They're brought to the mortuary. And those who pass by do not necessarily know that that person is gone or they're dead. When the funeral takes place and that person is carried through the streets, everyone knows that they are in fact dead typically there's an obituary put in the newspaper everyone understands that the person is now gone it's a displayer when a person is lowered into a grave it's a displayer it shows that they are in fact dead the heart change is primarily on the part of the believer The person dying to their old self repents and turns from the desires of the world. The good confession fills its role as well. Luke chapter 23 and verse 46, we hear Jesus on the cross saying, In a loud voice, Father, into into your hands rather I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. The believer lets everyone know that they are giving up their rights and giving them to God. It's no longer the will of the individual, individual, but the will of God. He's in charge now. The believer's death to sin is symbolized in baptism. This death to all that is worldly, all that is satanic, quite simply all that is against God's will, happens at baptism. We are lowered like Christ in baptism, then raised with Him to walk a new life. Burial is a displayer of death. Thirdly, burial is a separator of death. Christ's burial separated Him from the land of the living. He was cut off from those who were considered alive. A dead person no longer remains in the number of the living. They're no longer seen among us. As believers who have gone to death with Christ and have been buried with Him... We are also dead to the world. The world can see it happen. They watch it happen. We are, we are poor company for those living for themselves. We are shunned because we dampen their revelry. We are put into separated class with Christ. John chapter 15 and verse 20. It says, do you remember what I told you? A slave is no greater than his master. Since they persecuted me naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, then they would listen to you. We are put in the same grave as our Lord. We are put in one cemetery, all of us together, a cemetery of the faithful. The burial place of all those who are dead to this world together. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3 says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. 
Yeah, those religious folks, those Christian people, they just, they just don't have a life. They just, they just should, should lighten up a little bit, and they should just get a life. They're right, in a sense. We are dead. We give up our life to be hidden in Christ. When the world looks at us, they either see that, that we are dead to their games and move on, or they see the true joy that comes from dying to self and joining in God's work of reconciliation. Burial is a separator of death. And lastly, burial is a settler of death. It's closure. Burial becomes a closure. Burial becomes a settler of death. When Jesus was buried in the tomb, his disciples didn't expect to see him again. It was settled. The ladies went to prepare spices and perfumes. And why did they do that? They expected him to be in the tomb for a while. We still do it today. We, we put flowers near the grave or on the grave. Today it's not needed nearly as bad as it was back then. Because we have figured out that if you put six feet of dirt between us and a dead body, it doesn't smell that bad. But think about an open, above ground rather, tomb. An open hole in the rock. A whole area of rocky terrain where there's lots of tombs. I bet they started to smell. I've never personally smelled human remains, but or after, they've de- after they've been dead for a while, I've heard that it's pretty awful. These people, these young ladies, maybe mom and, and someone else, brought spices and brought perfumes. Luke 23, 55, it says, As the body was taken away, the women of Galilee followed and saw the tomb where the body was placed. They went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint the body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, and so they rested as required by law. These ladies expected the body to start smelling pretty quickly. And also Nicodemus in John 19, we see that he brought, it says, 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made, made with myrrh and aloes. That's a lot of weight. And I don't know how much that cost, but I'm sure it was quite a bit. Not many of the commentaries actually tell what that much cost. But they say Joseph kind of did the labor and Nicodemus kind of footed the bill. So it must have cost something. It must have cost quite a bit. Maybe Nicodemus was financially responsible for the burial. 33 some years earlier, myrrh was brought as a costly gift to the manger. Now it's being brought to the tomb. Nicodemus wouldn't have paid for the burial if, and Joseph wouldn't have done all this work if they wouldn't have expected him to stay there. They expected him to stay there. It was a settler of death. It was closure. When we die, we never expect to see, be seen again at home or anywhere. Spiritually speaking, I'm afraid that some of us are not so buried with Christ. I think many of us are up, up, up walking among the tombs and up walking among these, these grave sites. A Christian man or woman can't be walking around half dead or half alive. <laughs> There's no such thing as a spiritual zombie. We should be fully alive in the new being that has been given. Romans chapter 6 and verse 8 says, And since we died with Christ, we know we also will live with Him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. 
Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. And now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. If we have been once raised from dead works, we should never go back to them again. We may sin, but sin can no longer have dominion over us. Once we're buried with him in baptism, we're settled in, never to go back to that old way. Conviction has set in, and we are to the world dead people. It's settled. It's closure. Our hearts are changed, and our our hearts are settled in the peace that comes with Jesus Christ. Tell the world it should back off. We are dead to that old way. Tell the world it no longer has a grip. Our minds are settled in Christ. Burial is a settler of death. Some people call it closure. And I really believe that this is closure. Burial is closure. When a believer will make their faith known through confession, then like Christ, be put to death. Get rid of all that sin, past and present. Everything in one's life that they know of to be sin is put to death. Then along with Christ is buried in a grave of baptism. This burial becomes the seal of death, the displayer of death, the separator of death, and the settler of death. In that grave, two things take place. One, we receive the forgiveness of sins. We also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk all about what that new life looks like. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he, He claimed that new life. And like us, when we come out of that watery grave of baptism, we claim new life. We we take on Christ. Can a new life be added to old life? No. The old life has to die. It has to be buried in order to have new life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Look at it with me once more. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. It's closure. Burial is closure. And when we bury our old life, we gain closure. It's no longer there. It's gone. It's history. And we take on Christ. We take on the new life. And next week we'll talk about that. But right now we have five or six art presentations that uh, we will experience. And, um, and then we'll go to class and, and to discussion. Thank you for your attention, and I hope that uh, there's been some things that we've shared that can bless your life and uh, be a uh, blessing to you this week.